Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Engaging the Phenomenon. And uh, today here is going to be another presentation on contact work. Uh, I did a previous video called An Introduction to Contact Work, which I will include in the description. And that's kind of like an introduction to what contact work actually is. And in that video, there is a disclaimer. If you're, you know, concerned or trying to make up your mind, if you're going to participate in contact work, I'm not going to include that here because it's in that video. Um, but this video, a practical guide to contact work is if you are ready to participate in contact work and how you would go about doing that in a practical way. So let's go forward here. Human potential, realization, and actualization. What we consider psi, or psychic phenomenon, is a default. We are constantly interacting with a field of consciousness that we are swimming in. Become aware of and cultivate this potential through intention and coherent efforts. And then I caveated that with, on the bottom, humans are biological quantum interface systems. And this is in my opinion, fundamental is if you're going to participate in contact work, consciousness is the basis. I think that is your strongest ally and an avenue to actually interact with non-human intelligence and especially in regards to UFO intelligence. So this is this idea you at least want to entertain going into contact work. Um, and even contemplate on it, right? So that, in my opinion, is a very important basis in which to start with. And here I have preparation. So, you know, how are you going to prepare? You're going to do contact work. How are you going to prepare to do contact work? Um, first, you can decide if you want to do it solo or with a group. Uh, so people are going to be different in regards to this approach. For me, uh, when I do solo contact work, it's like magic. It works so well. Um, I'm, you know, by default introverted and I, I work well alone on my own page, so to speak. Uh, although I've, I've done, uh, both tons of solo and group work. Um, I love doing solo contact work. However, some people, they might need a group or they might want to start off with a group. They might feel more comfortable in a group. So uh, that's something to determine. I think that both solo and group contact work are both important. I think practicing both will help you contribute to the other. So practicing solo um, will help you in, in participating in group work because you're going to understand yourself and your own means of contact and your own pro, you know, strengths and weaknesses and, and so on. And you're going to have very intimate experiences solo that are going to give you deep insights into contact and contact work and how interaction occurs in ways that maybe you, you may not have that realization during group work, uh, but vice versa, you know, doing group work, is going to give you insights and realizations into contact and contact work um, and, and be able to improve your solo work. So that's something to keep in mind. And again, you know, you might lean towards one or the other and that's fine. You don't have to do both. You don't have to do either. Right. Um, but those are just some thoughts on, on either doing yourself solo or with a group. 
Um, and if you're going to do it with a group uh, for preparation, coordinate with the group, you know, plan with them maybe like a, a week out or a few days at least and say, we're going to go out on Friday. So let's all start preparing now, you know, and a few days in advance, you don't have to just go out for contact work and it starts when you guys get together. No. Or, or even if you're going to do it solo, you know, the contact work doesn't begin when you start going to get ready to go out to do contact work. It begins when you make the decision, you're going to do it. And from that point on, there's all different ways that you can prepare for the contact work. Um, I put mentally plan and prepare. So this goes to what I was saying. If you know, you're going to go out on Friday night, you can start and let's say it's Monday. You can start already planning mentally, setting the intention, doing a one or two or even three meditations a day um, that you're you're planning for the contact work, uh, where you're doing CE five or or contact based meditations uh, with an intention to connect and and have uh, an interaction or close encounter. And while you do that, you know, you can set the intention and try to communicate to non-human intelligence, hey, I'm going to go out Friday night at 9 p.m., you know, hope to interact there. You know, I mean, it's up to you how you want to do that. Uh, physical preparation, uh, you know, if you're going to go out for contact work, you probably don't want to eat like super heavy just because you're going to be probably meditating. Uh, so you want to keep a light diet. You know, you want to be well rested if possible. Uh, you know, you don't want to be falling asleep during contact work. I know this sounds like simple, but these are all things you want to keep in mind. So, you know, your diet, your sleeping patterns, you want to be in a physical condition where it's optimal for you to go out and do contact work. What's the weather like? You know, are you, do you have, a, you know, appropriate attire? You know, you're going to be dressed warm. Um, do you have a good chair? where you can sky watch uh, all those kind of physical preparations are important. You know, if you want to do something like um, even like a, uh, like a Qigong or yoga, which I can get into, I'm going to get into a little bit later. That's a great primer for contact work. You know, you can physically prepare yourself for the conditions of being out and doing contact work, field work, CE5 field work and uh, you know, optimal for meditation uh, optimal for, you know, being awake and alert during that time contact site, you know, you want to pick a contact site that is going to be ideal. If you have that option, not everybody has that option. If you have to go in your backyard or your front yard or a nearby park or whatever it is, go wherever you can go. But if you can go somewhere that you're not going to be disturbed, there's going to be less distractions, and you have a clear open view of the sky, those are ideal conditions for a contact site, you know, and, you know, be aware of like the wildlife around and those kind of things, because you want to be safe. Uh, and you also don't want to be disturbed by uh, other conditions. So also, as I mentioned before, meditation, intention, and protection, I put a question mark next to protection, because not everybody wants to do protection kind of idea, right? Like you're setting a kind of um, 
energetic or mental boundary. If you feel you need to do that, go ahead. There's kind of a catch 22 to that, in my opinion. If you're, again, this is just my opinion is, you know, if you're going out with the idea that you need to set some kind of protection, there's a sub context there in that you need protection kind of thing. So that's just, I have a, I have a, I can go on a whole rant about that. I don't want to do that here. Uh, but that's just some thoughts on that, but, um, you know, meditation and intention. So you're doing this in preparation. If you know that you are going out for contact work, even later in that night, you can begin doing meditations and setting the intention for interaction and contact early in the morning, you know, throughout your day, you know, you're at work or doing whatever, you know, throughout the day, you can take, you can stop whatever you're doing and just for a few minutes, do an intention, you're projecting your intention or, you know, putting it out there or doing a, like even a quick five minute meditation and, and connection sequence, I call it, um, you know, throughout the day in preparation for going out that night. Th these are, these sound very simple, but this is, in my opinion, this kind of preparation work is some of the most important um, things you can do for contact work uh, is just doing these kind of preparations throughout the day and being in the, in that kind of vibe or zone of, of uh, contact and contact work CE five setting boundaries. You know, if you feel that there's a limit to the contact that you want to experience, you can state that clear mentally. Usually during contact work, it's, it's not going to be so, um, crazy where I think it's going to pass people's boundaries, but it, there are cases where that has happened. Um, so, you know, make your intentions clear and in setting your boundaries for whatever level of contact you're ready for. I mean, that, that doesn't mean whatever you set your boundary for is going to be what's going to happen, but, uh, if that's ground that you want to cover, just doing your due diligence. Okay. So now we're going to protocols and methods. And I'm going to provide a few examples of different protocols and methods you can do for contact work. Everybody's approach is going to be different. So I'm just going to provide a few examples here of different methods that you can try. And again, you might feel you might lean towards one specific uh, protocol or method for contact. And I, I would say whichever one feels um like it matches uh, your your kind of approach to an, an ideology and to contact contact work, um, you know, use that approach, the one that you think is going to feel comfortable comfortable for you. And you might have to try a few of these modalities, contact modalities, and decide which one you think is going to be best for you. So consider that. So this the CE five protocols this is the most popular in. I'd say conventional or contemporary, the contemporary world of contact work is the CE5 protocols. And, you know, credit where it's due, these were um, organized by Dr. Stephen Greer. And I have a lot of experience with the CE5 protocols. I've been out in the field with Dr. Greer 
on several occasions. And I'll just say that, you know, just for clarification, CE5 itself, close encounters with the fifth kind, is not limited to the CE5 protocols alone. However, the CE5 protocols are an effective means in engaging with CE5 and close encounters of the fifth kind. Uh, in layman's terms, they work. Um, the CE5 protocols for some people are, are going to work really well because although it's kind of based on meditation and whatnot and remote viewing, it has a structure to it. And that structure is going to be a very good catalyst for some people, especially if you're um, like left left brain logical thinking, you're not as creative or artsy, you need a methodology and that one, two, three ABC process, then this is going to be, I think, the best method for you uh, because it's it's very structured and that structure, structure can be helpful for people, especially when you start off. I always say the CE5 protocols are like great training wheels for contact work. They're fail safe if you practice them, stick to them, most likely you are going to succeed. And I have a video called um, Simplified CE5, which I'll link in the description. And it's a, a short, like 10 or 15 minute walkthrough of how to do CE5 via the CE5 protocols. But I will outline them really quickly here. So the CE5 protocols, uh, you're going to start with doing a meditation, right? Any meditation of your choice. And keep in mind, the meditation is not the, the CE5 protocol itself. It's the primer. So you're putting yourself in a tranquil state, a peaceful, tranquil state, maybe mi mildly concentrated. Uh, and you're going to be setting in the intention for, for peaceful contact with UFO intelligence. And in, in Dr. Greer's philosophy with extraterrestrial intelligence specifically because that's how he teaches it so i'll i'll mark that here because that's how he explains it i have my own ideas about that but for all intents and purposes um you know you're going to set your intention for peaceful contact with um non-human intelligence specifically ufo intelligence and then you're going to after you're in a tranquil state already Maybe you did it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Maybe you did meditation for an hour to prime yourself. Um, more is not always better. There is a point of diminishing returns based on your threshold of meditation. So you have to find your sweet spot. For some people, 20 minutes is a sweet spot. For some people, you're going in 40 minutes meditation and you're already, your mind is like hurting at this point. If, if you don't have a lot of meditation practice or you didn't sleep that much that day. And at that point, there's a point where you can do too much meditation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take away. So find your sweet spot and your threshold for meditation. And once you've reached that point, then you're going to go to here to coherent thought sequence or coherent thought sequencing. And this is Dr. Greer's uh, claim to fame pretty much with the CE5 protocols. This is the actual process itself. So the way that Dr. Stephen Greer describes this method is that after you've reached um, a tranquil state of meditation and you've set your intention for contact, you are then going to use coherent thought sequencing, which he has called remote viewing two, like remote viewing level two, where you're going to attempt to remote view 
UFO intelligence either around the planet or out in deep space, and you're going to lock on to them through a remote viewing, and then you're going to use that remote viewing sequence backwards, and you're going to visually, using visualization and remote viewing, guide non-human intelligence or UFO intelligence to your location in a seamless sequence. And say they're out, say you remote view them out and out somewhere in the Milky Way, you're going to use your consciousness to remote view that point in the Milky Way and then remote view in a seamless sequence back to our solar system, our planet, maybe your country or state or city and sequence visually all the way back to your contact site or location. So it's like a um, almost like a movie playing, going out into deep space and then visually guiding them back all the way to your contact site and location. And you're going to do that sequence back and forth, going back and forth. And you can do it for five minutes. You can do it 10, 10 minutes. You can do it 20 minutes. Same thing with the meditation. There's a point of diminishing returns. Find your threshold to it. It's actually a great exercise on top of meditation on you know on top of the contact work and i put skywatch because after you do it for you know 10 or 20 minutes of going back and forth seamlessly through that sequence and again if you don't feel you can remote view you can do an advanced form of visual visualization and visualize okay Just do your best yeah um then you're going to skywatch so you're going to view the skies and see if anything is going on out in the sky or down in the field on the contact site, is there any kind of anomalous phenomena occurring? And you can skywatch for maybe 10 or 20, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And if nothing happens, you know, just rinse and repeat, do the process over again. And, you know, I want to say you, you might not get a successful CE5 or contact every single time, Right. But if you practice it enough, you're going to get to the point where, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70% of the time, you're getting some kind of response. I mean, there's some nights that you're going to get an extraordinary response. Uh, there's some nights where you're going to do the preparation work. You're going to go out and before you even do the protocols, contact and close encounters and interactions are already occurring, right? So that's something else to keep in mind. But it's good to have a practice. It's good to go out and do field work regularly because the more effort and time you put into any any endeavor that you're doing in life, you're going to get better at. And this is something you can get good at, okay? So keep that in mind. Uh, and again, uh, these, this is a simplified kind of overview of the CE5 protocol specifically. Okay. This I'm calling the three pillar method. There's, there's, this is not kind of written anywhere. This is just one, one version that I intuitively came across doing my own contact work. I've, I've experimented with hundreds, if not more, of different methods over the last 15 years or so of contact work, thousands of hours. Um, too much, <laughs> too much free time, right? No, but uh, there's, there's so many different ways to go about contact. So I'm, I'm including all these other different approaches. Um, this method 
which I'm calling the three pillar method, you know, it's talking about the three pillars in, in um, Eastern traditions um, is probably going to be good for you. If you're already um, skilled or advanced or familiar, even with regular, with meditation practice, right. Uh, it's less structured than the CE five protocols, but this, this has been highly effective for me. And, you know, I put here, you're, you're going to start off with meditation. So we're talking jhanic, jhana, samadhi, and meta states. And these are states that you can read about. You can um, find videos on YouTube about. Um, you know, uh, there's a great, on jhana, if you want to learn about jhana, um, there's a, there's a great book called Right Con Concentration written by um, Lee. I'm, I'm forgetting his last name right now. I want to say Lee Brasington. I'm, I'm, I might be messing that up. I'm, I did an interview with him where he talks about how to go into different jhanic states. Um, there's also a really good book called Mastering the Hardcore Teachings of the Buddha or Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha. Uh, by Daniel Ingram, which talks about all these different states. But in in layman's terms, uh, jhana is when you're getting into deep concentrative states. And the same with samadhi. Samadhi are absorption states as they're described. So these are levels of um, highly concentrated states. Uh, and metta is, is a, in Buddhism, uh, loving kindness, practice loving kindness meditation and you're you know for me the samadhi i i learned it through a, a form of yoga in which you're using pranayamas mostly um to get into very highly concentrated state and for this you're you're going to do more than 15 minutes of meditation if you want to get into a very deep jhanic like jhana state or samadhi state you might want to do a minimum of 30 minutes right into your like you're highly concentrated that's the emphasis of this and the the aspect of metta is you're in a state of like deep um loving kindness which um joe goldstein has put in in the west a really good kind of idea for that is um well wishing so you're in a very you're in a state of um i would even say gratitude those kind of states but you're in a very deep state of it. So you're going to start your meditation and get into a deep, deep meditative state that's highly concentrated. And if you want with the loving kindness, well-wishing aspect, and then you're going to do a contact and connection sequence. And that's basically setting your intention for contact, but you're in a highly concentrated state and you know, with that, if you want to, you can do a visual, a visualization of contact of um, either like a UFO or an entity, and you, you set your intention to connect to non-human intelligence and ask them uh, to come interact. Um, but you're in a highly concentrated state with this, and you know, while you're doing the sequence, you're in a deep meditative state the entire time. So it's it's like this approach is like one big 
uh, meditation as opposed to the CE5 protocols where it's broken up into your meditation and your CTS, coherent thought sequencing. This is one large process. Uh, you know, you can do a whole deep meditation for maybe 45 minutes. And while you're in your very deep meditation, you're doing this contact and connection sequence while you're in the med deeply in the meditative state. And it's actually part of your meditation, um, which you can do for a half an hour. You can do for an hour, even two hours. Um, and then you're going to sky watch and, uh, you know, same thing. You observe the sky for maybe 15, 20 minutes, see if there's any anomalous activity or interactions, whether it's visual or you get impressions. And then, um, Again, if you have the wherewithal, you can re repeat that process. But again, this is a more intensive method. Um, if you're doing, you know, you can, again, but you can even do this method early in your day before you go out. And you might go out to do to the contact site to do contact work. And because you did this early in the day, as soon as you get to the site, the contact is already occurring because you already did the preparation work. That's why preparation work is so important. Um and or you can have done it early in the day and do it again, even a shorter version, um, right when you go out or right before you go out. Okay, I'm calling this the heart rate variability method. Uh, and this is work that I actually discovered from Greg Braden. I'm going to leave um, some links in the description that outline this. He has a whole half hour presentation he has a whole four hour presentation called language of the divine matrix, which is um, absolutely incredible. But in the description, I'm going to leave the half hour. It explains the science that heart math has been doing in um, talking about heart rate variability, um, the effect it has on your physical body, your biology and your biochemistry and everything. There's physical effects that come with this practice and, and the other practices, but this one specifically has been tested under scientific scrutiny um, where there's, there's so many benefits to it. And I believe once you get into this state, which they call heart rate variability and self-regulation, that you're optimizing your body uh, conditions for intuition, um, for psychic phenomenon to be more open to you and, and those kind of deep uh, states and, and abilities. I think that um, getting into heart rate variability can only help you in these endeavors. And when you apply heart rate variability to contact work, it's super powerful. And I, this is something that I practice just about every day, contact work or not. And the, I'm going to get into later how you can mix and match these, but heart rate variability they've they've done the studies and the science, and you only need about three minutes minimum to get into these kind of this heart rate variability state to optimize your other contact work. So you can actually use the heart rate variability as an entire contact protocol itself, or you can use it as a primer for all the other ones. So that's something to keep in mind. I think that the heart rate variability aspect is super important to this whole work. And, you know, get, getting into these states, it's contact work and everything is almost like a side effect of getting yourself into these states, because when you're doing heart rate variability, you're optimizing your, your body and your, and your consciousness and, you know, what 
uh, they they call the electromagnetic field of the heart, and um, you know co- connecting you to the field of consciousness that we're in all the time. So there's a three step method for heart rate variability. Super easy, you know. As with anything, the more practice that you you do, the better you're going to get at all these things. And I think this is a powerful state, and it's nice that they've been studying it, and there's some science behind it. So the, the three-step method with heart rate variability, variability, which again, I'm going to include a whole video in the description about this, is um, you touch or or feel your heart area, you know, physically touch it just to, as a physical reminder and cue. Because uh, when, you, when you touch that area, you're automatically, you know, your attention is, is set there to your heart. And, um, you know, there's, there's, they've been said this is in ancient traditions. Um, the connection to the heart is important, and you'll see mudras where they're going like this, and they're actually their hands are against their heart. So, the first step of this is that you're gonna touch or feel your heart area, and then you're gonna do regulated breathing, where you're doing a five second in breath, and then an eight second out breath. And this is when you you do this for a number of times, you're affecting your parathet, um, your um, your nervous system basically. And um, if you have to adjust the time a little, like depending on your breath your your breath threshold, you can go ahead and do that and do a four breath on the in inhale and a seven um, count on the out breath then do that. Do you have, you want to be comfortable while you're doing this. You don't want to be straining or stressing, you know, and again, after the first few breaths, you're going to get into a sink. You're going to get into a rhythm and it's going to feel more natural. So you're going to touch your heart area. Um, even just for a few seconds, then you're going to do the five second or four second inhale, slow and gentle. And then, seven second or eight second out breath. And while you're doing this, you want to sit in a feeling of gratitude or connection, unity, those kind of powerful emotions. Uh, and, you know, you can use something like a memory to help induce these feelings or think of something you're really grateful for, you know, even as simple as, as grateful for just being alive and here at this time. And so while you're doing that process or, you know, a minimum of three minutes, but you can do that process for five minutes or 10 minutes and it's, you're going to feel really good when you do it. I'll just say that. So, you know, do it as long as you like, and either while you're doing it or afterwards, you can set the intention for contact with UFO intelligence and set the intention for an interaction. And then Skywatch, um, you know, again, same thing. You can skywatch for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And if there's no activity or if you feel you want to go back into the process, you, you repeat the process again. And uh, this is a simple approach, I think, but super powerful. Okay. So binaural tone sequence. And there's a ton of binaural tones out there. People might be familiar with Hemisync. By no means do you have to be limited to Hemisync. I I personally love the work of um, 
Dr. Jeffrey Thompson. Some of my favorite are his gamma tones. There's also, um, you know, theta tones and all these different kind of um, binarial tones out there. You'll see combinations of alpha theta. People will say some states are better for contact than others. I find that you have to go with what you feel is best. Uh, some people th say theta is the best. My my personal favorite is gamma. So, and I, I have reasoning behind that as well. But, you know, find out which binaural tones that you like the best. There's ones that have more music in the background, and there's some that are more monotone. <laughs> the ones with the music in the background distract me a little bit compared to the monotone ones, but it depends how you're feeling. Um, so I'll, I'll put a link in the description for a few different, uh, binaural tones, but this is a very simple process. You're literally just using binaural tones. You want to wear headphones. So you get the binaural effect of the left, right synchronization. And you have, you have your headphones on and you're listening to these meditation tones and you're doing a meditation and while you're listening to the meditation tones and doing meditations, periodically set an intention for contact with UAP, non-human intelligence. And you can do a whole visualization and contact sequence where you're doing remote viewing or advanced visualization. And you, you might even want to do like an inquiry practice to that and saying, what would it feel like or what would it look like to have a close encounter? And put that out there and, and wait and see if anything, you get any impressions, but you, you know, again, you can do this as long as you can do this for 20 minutes. You can do it for a half an hour. You can do it for an hour, find your threshold, find what you're comfortable with. You don't want to reach a state of mental fatigue when you're doing any of these. If, if you are, it's good to go past your threshold every now and then to make, create new thresholds. Uh, but you don't want to be, getting to a mental threshold every time where you're wearing yourself out mentally doing these processes because then you're going to your efficiency is going to drop if you do that too much so again with this very simple very easy but effective uh, i've done this many times i've especially um if you have a group of people everybody can be doing the same tones or process and really get into a harmonized and coherent state and that's with all these protocols and methods I should mention. Everybody, it's ideal if everybody's doing the same method within the group uh, to reach a state of coherence, especially with the heart math, because they've done science on that. Um, so again, you're just sitting, you have your headphones on or earphones, you're listening to binaural tones, and you're periodically going in and out between deep meditative states and setting your intention for contact and doing contact sequence where you're visualizing or remote viewing contact and inviting a close encounter to your location. And this is going to be controversial. Um, some people are going to excel at this. Some people need more structure than this. Okay. And I don't, I don't want people to think this is the entirety of contact work. I think in any regard, you should be doing more than just freestyle contact sequences, which I've outlined here. I think you should always practice with both because you can always improve in both. And they actually, um, 
they work synergistically together. And this is what I was talking about where you can do be, be doing preparation work. You can be doing preparation work for contact, for going out for a contact night. This is something you can do throughout your day where you're participating in the contact work and you're preparing for the contact work, but you're not yet out in the field. And to me, this has been super highly effective. If you can do it, um, you know, some people are too busy, but if you can manage to fit these in, they're super effective. And especially if you're doing some kind of contact work retreat or contact work expedition, this is super effective, especially when you have a group of people all participating this way, then it's, it's going to be highly coherent, super effective. So here, freestyle contact sequences. So you're setting your intention for contact. You might be washing the dishes and during that process, you're setting your intention for contact and you're doing a small sequence of um, connecting with the intention to connect with the intention that you'd be grateful for an interaction and you're inviting non-human intelligence to interact with you um, at any time or a later time when you go out for actual contact work. And again, here I put standalone and I put a star there because for some people they could for even a, maybe a short while, this will be, this will work, but mostly I think this is good supplementally that you want to have this as a supplement to enhance and augment your actual contact work rather than a standalone. Some people, this is all they want to do and I get it, but I think that uh, you can become more skillful if you practice actual protocols and methods aside from this, even though this in itself is a form of mastery. I would say, and that's, we can talk about that at another time, but again, you can be washing the dishes and setting your intentions and doing a connection sequence, even for a few minutes throughout your day. You can be doing while you're doing yoga while you're doing, um, Qigong while you're running or doing exercise, uh, while you're walking or doing a walking meditation, any kind of mind body activities, especially, and this was noted I believe by Dr. Kit Green when he recommended to um, John Burroughs to combine um, Kripalu Yoga with Vipassana. This is the same kind of thing, mind-body. When you're doing um, any kind of mind-body activity and you're including an intentional contact sequence, it's, it, it's another dimension of contact work. For some people, if you're playing music, I have a friend who plays piano. Dr. Joseph Burks had a friend who would play the harp, and they would just get into this zone, this flow state, and it was optimal for them for contact and contact work. So for some people, especially if you're a highly creative individual or you have a very strong mind-body connection, this will really help your contact work. And... It could be supplemental, but for some people, this can be an entire practice within itself. So that's something to keep in mind. I, you know, I would say experiment with it, right? Do experiment with this before contact work and see if it, if it increases your, the activity that occurs during field work. I think this is highly effective, you know, getting into flow states in the zone, those kind of states are, are, um, very good for contact work and choosing a method here. 
do you prefer the structure or the freestyle method? I would say experiment with both, but you probably already know which one's probably going to be a better start for you. Uh, Mind-based versus heart-based approach. Again, there's different, you know, again, um, like the remote viewing is, I don't want to say it's all mind-based, but it's, it's considered more mental realm for some people versus a heart-based approach, which even has less visuals and more is more kinesthetic. It's more somatic and you feel more. It's more of a feeling than a kind of uh, mental thing. Um, you can even combine both and you can go back and forth between both, even in the same session. But just, you know, be aware that there's kind of these different approaches. Uh, you know, practice with a, a method, each method thoroughly. So if you're going to choose a method, don't try it once and say, it didn't work. No, you, you know, just like anything, take that method, practice with it, practice with it a few times a week for a few weeks. And then if it doesn't work, say, okay, maybe I should try a different approach. Um, or practice might work really good for you. Then if it works, stick with it. Um, when experience mix and match. Um, I say when experience, because you want to have a, understanding of each of these methods, what they have to offer you, what each method can teach you, what each method um, can help you develop different skill sets, because each method is going to help you develop a different skill set and a different approach to contact and contact work. And once you get really good at one, you can freestyle with that, that one approach with other approaches and you can mix them in. The heart rate variability one, I think you can always use that as a primer before any of these sequences, uh, just because I think the heart rate variability aspect is, is is optimizing your your body, your mind, your heart, your electromagnetic fields for all these approaches. Um, so that's just a note on that. Experiment, you know, try new approaches that aren't even listed here. I'm just providing these examples so you have an idea of different ways that you can do contact work. There's no limit to contact work. Everybody eventually can develop their own method, which works best to their own strengths. That's how I came up with some of these examples. There, there are different things I experimented with, and um, some of them I just intuitively developed while doing my own contact work, and there's no doubt that Many of you that are going to be practicing contact work and involved in this and CE5 and contact and interaction and interactivity are going to develop your own methods, right? Somebody might do a yoga nidra method where they're doing a process of yoga nidra. And after they finish yoga nidra, which is kind of like a body scan from that, once you're in that deep tranquil state and you're in your shavasana, you go into a deep contact journey, right? And then you go out for field work. Right. So the, there's an infinite number of ways that you can experiment and develop your own contact modalities and contact protocols. So those that's something to keep in mind. But these are great examples for you to practice with. These are all different tools and a tool set. And you want to, you know, sharpen your tools, so to speak. Right. You can sharpen each aspect of these developments. Each one is almost like a different path of development that you can master. And again, the more you develop them and, and master them, the, the greater you can kind of freestyle and work on your own and de develop your own processes and give you a 
different and deeper understanding of contact and contact work, how interactions occur, and and how you can participate that way. And again, if you appreciate this content, you can support us. It's always greatly appreciated. Uh, this is like a second full-time job to me or a third, depending on how you look at it. Um, so we always appreciate if you subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave a comment, share the content where you think people will appreciate it. If you want to become a Patreon member and support our work, it's greatly appreciated because I put a lot into this, um, into engaging the phenomenon and everything I do. And if you have feedback or recommendations, please um, let me know. Each one of these uh, examples of contact work, each method and each thing, I could be a standalone video easily um, because each one, there's there's a lot of depth to get into. And there's more to come. This is the second in a series of presentations that uh, we're doing here on contact work and contact interactions and interactivity. There's going to be a lot more coming forward soon. Uh, again, we're open to feedback and suggestions. This is going to be a continual series where I'm going to continue to do presentations like these, especially on contact and contact work and interactions uh, and meditation, different meditation practices that I will cover consciousness and uh, different developments along those lines. Um, but if you have suggestions, I'm open to them. Um, I'll also end up doing more UAP nuts and bolts presentations uh, shortly covering different cases and crash retrievals and whatnot. Uh, but this is um, going to be an ongoing series, basically, for, for sure on contact and contact work, but also other related subjects. So again, super appreciate everybody that has supported us all this time. Uh, your support and um, appreciation does not go unnoticed. We appreciate you participating uh, with us and engaging the phenomenon and you know it, it's, it's what keeps us going because uh, you know this is a work that we have to all do together you know not just contact work but you know working this UAP issue together for more UAP transparency and greater understanding of the phenomenon and 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 the human potential and, and how far we can take it and what the all these things have to teach us and that, there's my new banner kind of thing, Awakening Human Potential Through UAP and Consciousness Studies. So, you know, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I hope you appreciate this. Again, I, there's a lot more to come. So stay tuned. Take care, guys.